explore the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system in the new documentary As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Friday, October 4th, 2019. I am Dave Biddle, very happy to be joined by Jonah Booker for his usual Friday visit. Before we get started, I want to let all the listeners know that we have a great deal at Bucknuts right now, maybe the best deal we've ever had. For $1, you can get two months of VIP membership at Bucknuts. That's right, two months for just $1. It begins Saturday at noon Eastern time, tomorrow at noon Eastern, and will end at 11.59 p.m. on Monday. So a three-day, absolute, wonderful deal that we're having, and you need to take advantage of this. Again, two months for just one American dollar. The best deal we've ever had at Bucknuts, so take advantage of that. All right, Jay Book, let's get down to brass tacks here. Ohio State, Michigan State tomorrow at the Horseshoe, 7.30. What are your general thoughts about this game? Yeah, I'm looking for um, the Buckeyes to roll big here, Dave. I just don't think Michigan State has the horses to run with these boys. Uh, the one thing, if you're Michigan State, is you should be very, very concerned about that offensive line going against this Ohio State defensive line that's playing outstanding. I know there's been reports coming out that Michigan State's going to be starting a fourth-string uh, tackle going against Chase Young. They're so thin and beat up on the offensive line, they had to have a true freshman defensive tackle switch over to guard. I know D'Antonio in his weekly uh, press conference said that a lot of their true freshmen will be playing. So, to me, coming into the shoe at night against this Ohio State defense that's playing outstanding, I just don't think Michigan State has enough to hang here. I know when, my, um, when we did our staff prediction, I had Ohio State rolling big here at 51-10. to 10. So I don't think it's going to be a close ball game. You look at last year, uh, Michigan State only put up six points against an, an historic bad Ohio State defense, and you mean to tell me they're going to come into the shoe at night against this this team this year and put up points? I just can't see it happening. Yeah, you have them. Uh, you have a big time blowout. Our scores are almost exactly the same last week. I remember when we did our predictions. I have thirty-five, thirteen Ohio State. The spread's twenty-one, so I have Ohio State barely covering. You know, I could. I, I would be more surprised with a close game than I would be a blowout. So, I, if it happens, if the score happens, I won't be surprised in the least that the way Ohio State's playing. Just something tells me, you know, they might get Ohio State might get a decent lead at halftime. And, you know, I mentioned this in our staff predictions that will come out later today. Um, Ohio, I think Ohio State might have a decent lead at halftime, nothing like crazy like last week, like 38 nothing, but like maybe like a 17-point lead or something. And they might kind of sit on the ball knowing Michigan State's offense is terrible and cannot score and move the ball in this Ohio State defense. I mean, do you think there's anything to that that Ohio State, not that Ryan Day is going to like just sit on the ball like, I don't mean like not throw the ball at all, but do you think Ohio State maybe could get a decent lead and kind of run out the clock a little bit knowing that, Michigan State just can't, you know, come back from a score like that? I mean, it's a possibility. You saw, you know, against Nebraska, they were up, you know, 38 nothing and only scored 10 points in the second half. I mean, we're we're being greedy here, but you saw that Ohio State kind of 
pretty much called off the dogs there against Nebraska. The starters were pretty much pulled uh, towards the latter part of the third quarter. Now, the one thing uh, that Ryan Day has shown is he's shown a propensity to be relentless because, uh, you know, they were up 38 points with 35 seconds to go against Nebraska, and he was still taking shots deep. Uh, with that being said, you have to also keep in mind that next week is a bye week. You want to, even though Ohio State is playing extremely well right now, you still want to head into that bye week playing some of your best football. You don't want to go in uh, to the bye week feeling like you left a little bit on the table. So I think it's going to be something to monitor. If Ohio State gets a big, you obviously want to get uh, those, those starters out of there and healthy if it gets out of hand, which I think it will be. But I also think that you also want to get into the bye week with a good taste in your mouth, feeling like, hey, we're playing some of our best football right now uh, as we get into the meat of the Big Ten schedule. Yeah, I imagine you don't have any major concerns based on your score prediction. Um, if you had to play devil's advocate with your own logic, if that's even possible, uh, do you have, I mean, could you imagine any other than just super flukes? I mean, do you have any concerns at all entering this game? The, the only thing that would concern me is I think Lewerke, uh can make you pay with his legs. If you watch um, him throughout the year, pretty much him moving the, the football with his legs have been a huge proponent of their offense. He did it against Indiana. Uh, he also did it against Arizona State. So that's something to keep an eye on. I think Ohio State is fast enough and disciplined enough to mitigate uh, his his ability to kill you with the legs. So that's the one facet of their offense uh, is that they will have they will move the football with their legs. They do have the third leading rusher in the Big Ten at running back. So they will try to pound the football. But like I said before, uh, this style of offense that Michigan State had last year, they were only able to put up six points against a bad Ohio State defense. This type of offense that Michigan State runs has traditionally fared well uh, for Ohio State defending it. And that was just with, with bad defenses. And now that you have a defense that's really gap sound and disciplined, I don't have a lot of concerns here. It's obviously a huge recruiting weekend for Ohio State as well. The second biggest of the season. Only Penn State will be a bigger recruiting weekend for Ohio State. I mean, it's, it's just, it's huge. It's just, you know, Trey Bradford's on his official visit, you know. Tyler Barron's going to be on his official visit. C.J. Stroud's going to be in all the way from Cali on an unofficial visit. Um, and many, many, many other 2020 prospects and 2021 prospects and so on. Huge recruiting weekend. You know, talk about Bradford, Barron, and Stroud, and just anything else you want to say about uh, what you expect to happen this weekend. Yeah, I'm I'm excited about that. It should be a great atmosphere. Um, obviously, the crews love um, the alternative uniforms with Buckeyes dressing in the all black and then having the crowd dressing all black. So the atmosphere should be electric. It's going to be a great time for those recruits. Um, the one guy that I'm really pumped up about is Tyler Barron. Um, getting him back on the campus. I know he visited um, earlier in the year, but just having uh, the number three defensive end on campus with a, a lot of your commits could pay off big time here. Um, a lot of people have him pegged to to stay home and go towards uh, Tennessee, but I think Ohio State has a legit shot here. And, and you mentioned, mentioned Stroud, the, the quarterback out of California. He's a heck of a thrower, and I think there's going to be um, – a situation where situation here where Ohio State is going to have to make the decision if they want to take two quarterbacks. Um, all indications are that they want to take two. Um, I know Jack Miller and his dad came out um, this this past week on Twitter saying that they're not afraid of competition. 
Um, they understand the circumstances. They've been in constant contact with Ohio State coaches, where I suspect that the, the coaches have told them that there is a shot that they want to take two quarterbacks. If you look at the depth uh, chart at the quarterback position, they do need to take two, especially the way kids are transferring in the portal when it comes to comes to the quarterback position. And Jack Miller, he's a heck of a quarterback, but he has shown uh, some kink in his armor when it comes to his injuries. So taking a second quarterback is not out of the question. And getting a big-time thrower and Stroud on campus for an unofficial, unofficial visit in this type of atmosphere can't be stated enough how big that is. No question about it. It's going to be fun to see what happens. They have so much momentum on the field, and that's obviously carrying over to recruiting, as we all know. Um, I'm going to go back to the current team. Um, Josh Allaby, we'll find out later today if Josh Allaby, I mean, we'll probably find out later today, um, if Josh Allaby is going to get a second start. I imagine if Brandon Bowen's a game-time decision, they'll probably start Allaby, and they might list Brandon Bowen as out on the status report. We'll see what happens, because I imagine they, they want to give him um, you know, an extra week off, and then you have to buy weeks, so you get three weeks total off, including last week. And Allaby was the offensive player of the week, so why not give him one more start? Um, and I want you to also comment on Nicholas Pettit Ferrer. I know a lot of people are down on him, but I, I think it's important to point out that, you know, at this time last year, Josh Myers was a redshirt freshman, and people were like, well, is Josh Myers ever going to be a good player? Wyatt Davis was a redshirt freshman that wasn't playing. Is he ever going to be a good player? And something clicked with those guys late in their redshirt freshman year. I mean, I'm certainly not writing off NPF, and I think people need to chill on what's wrong with NPF. He's a redshirt freshman. Um, but you're just your thoughts on, on, you know, that triumvirate, that uh, right tackle with Allaby and Bowen and NPF. Yeah, I really, really like the way Allaby played. He's a um, a veteran guy, a mature um, guy who's been in a program, and the fact that they had enough confidence in him to swing him over to the right side and he played extremely well shows you that he can handle what is thrown at him. Not a lot of guys who typically play on the left side can swing over to the right side and still play at a high level because you're doing everything opposite. You're stepping opposite and you're you're trying to get your footwork and your hand placement um, opposite of what you were doing on the other side. So the fact that he was able to swing over there and play at a high level is a testament to his ability to be coached up as well as Stud's ability to get him ready. And you mentioned MPF. Um, I'm, I'm not concerned about that. I know a lot of people may be concerned about him not um, playing right away, but I just think it's a situation where they went with their next guy up uh, as far as the best offensive lineman, and I think that was Allaby, and he played well. It would be a situation where if people were complaining that MPF wasn't getting in when the guy in front of him didn't play at a high level, but that's not the case. Uh, they absolutely mauled Nebraska. I mean, there were times where you can just drive a truck through those lanes because they were so wide open. Um, he has a big future in the program. He just needs to stay patient, continue to develop, and that was one of the things that Ryan Day uh, mentioned earlier this week when it comes to talking about Josh is he is a guy that could have, you know, waved the white flag, transferred out of Ohio State, went somewhere else and probably started. But he, he, he you know, took his time, learned the positions, uh, was, was willing to accept coaching, and he just was an ultimate team guy. And now it's starting to pay off for him. And it's a culture that they're building they're at Ohio State, and MPF will be a big part of that culture. It just may not be his time yet. 
Um, but if they're going to rest Brandon Bowen and they feel confident that Alibi's going to get it done again, you can't knock them on that, especially with a bye week coming up, because you want to have Brandon Bowen as healthy as possible as you make your stretch run here. I want to talk about some guys that that we all like, that we that we all know are talented, that just you know are kind of missing in action right now. It's, it's you know Demario McCall. I mean, he's yeah, he's playing, but he's not playing nearly the role that, that we thought he would have. Um, you know, Master Teague sees the, the backup running back job, and my gosh, does Master Teague look great? Um, Demario just uh, and Jalen Gill's another one that's just missing in action. I, I would throw Tyreek Johnson in there again, though. Jalen Gill and Tyreek Johnson are only redshirt freshmen, so you know I, I look at those guys differently than I than I look at Demario McCall, Jay Book. Are you just? I mean, how surprised are you that Demario McCall has basically no role in this team other than being like a special teams guy and just Jalen Gill and Tyreek Johnson? Just what do you make of those guys? I would probably say I'm a little bit more surprised about Jalen Gill than I am um, Demario McCall because the emergence of Master Teague pretty much uh, push a, pushes uh, McCall down the depth chart there. I mean, if you look at Master Teague, the guy is running like an unchained bull. He, he's looking like he's probably arguably the third best running back in the Big Ten but behind Jonathan Taylor and J.K. Dobbins. So I can understand that situation. But the fact that Jalen Gill is completely uh, MIA from this from this team is little surprising to me. Uh, there were a lot of rave reviews about him early on in, in spring ball and stuff, and a lot of people felt like he was a guy that could be pushing for playing time. So just for him not to be involved at all with this football team so far is a little surprising to me. I will say this about Tyreek Johnson. Do you remember, um, I'm sure you do, um, not, not just because you're a former defensive back yourself and you like watching the Buckeye DBs, but, uh, I mean, do you remember Marshawn Lattimore as a redshirt freshman? Not, not, not as a true freshman when he redshirted as a redshirt freshman in 2015 and how he looked compared to how he looked in 2016 when he looked like maybe the best corner, you know, in the country. I mean, I'm not saying Tyreek Johnson is going to be Marshawn Lattimore. Let's hope he is, but Marshawn Lattimore got on the field as a redshirt freshman, which Tyreek, Tyreek Johnson's not, but Marshawn Lattimore did not look good as a redshirt freshman, then he looked all world as a third-year sophomore. It's just something about corners, isn't it? You can probably relate to that. You just felt like offensive linemen. It's, it, it's just one of those positions where it sometimes can take a little bit longer. Well, that and the thing with Tyree Johnson is Tyree Johnson is not healthy. Um, he hasn't been healthy for some time. So uh, whenever you're a defensive back and you're, out, you're asked to be put out there on the island against some of the top athletes on the field, and if you're not healthy and you don't feel like you're playing um, at 100% there or even close to that, it can, it can wear on you psychologically. And that was, the, that was the thing with Marshawn Latimer. When Marshawn Latimer was coming up as a youngster within the program, there was a point where a lot of people thought that Marshawn Latimer was going to have to hang the game up because he could not stay healthy. He had chronic hamstring injuries that was constantly setting him back in his career. And I know there were a lot of people that at, at one point early on thought that Eric Smith, who came in from Glenville, was going to be a better prospect than Marshawn Latimer because Eric Smith flashed early on, but Marshawn couldn't stay healthy. And as Marshawn progressed throughout his career, he did get healthy and his game really clicked for him. So uh, Tyree Johnson could be another one of those type of situations is once his body starts healing up and he starts to stay healthy, if he can stay healthy, the talent is there, but you have to be able to stay on the field in order for you to maximize that talent. So it, uh, the one thing I did notice is Tyree Johnson did travel 
with the team. So that tells me a little something there that the coaches haven't given up on him. They still want him to be part of uh, the team that's traveling out there on the road. So just having him involved uh, tells me that the, the coaches still have confidence. He just had to get that body right. And once he gets that body right, his game will come around with the mind. And they're going to need him next year. There's no doubt about it. I mean, they're going to lose Okuda. There's no doubt he's going to leave early. There's no doubt. I mean, they're going to lose Fuller. Of course, he's a senior. They're going to lose Arnett. Of course, he's a senior. And in my opinion, they're going to lose Sean Wade. He's a third-year sophomore. But I mean, he. <laughs> I don't see him coming back. I don't know why he would. I, I selfishly, I hope he does. But Sean Wade, just he's another guy that when he he just drips NFL when you watch him. Like you know, so we're going to lose four DBs off the team this year. So uh, four excellent ones, most likely. And so, I would tell. And I would tell I would tell Sean I would tell Sean Wade to come back. I mean, obviously the guy's going to get paid regardless. But I think Sean Wade has first round NFL type of talent. Um, and if you look at Ohio State corners and the history over the last several years, if you've been a starter at one of those uh, prime time outside spots at Ohio State, you're pretty much locking yourself in to a you know at least rounds one through three. But I think uh, if um, he comes back, he has the potential to make himself a lot more money and a lot more guaranteed money as a first-round pick because I think he's that talented. He, To me, if he came back, he would be that next guy up at the next line of lockdown quarters at Ohio State. But, you know, you know once, once they start talking about money, you know, giving a guy a couple million dollars, you know, coming out of college, nobody knows the family situation. He may choose to do that and get his NFL career started right now. But I think the potential for him to be a first-round corner is obviously there. I'm with you. I think if he left early after this year, I think he would be a second-day pick, you know, second round, maybe third round if, if a team was really lucky and he slipped to the third round. But if he came back in 2020, he would be – maybe even a top 10 pick in the 2021 draft. So that'll be interesting. I hope you're right. I hope Sean Wade comes back. But you just said you, you think he should. You're not that you're predicting he will. So we'll see what happens with that. we got a long way to go before that. One more guy I want to talk about, then I'll let you go on this very lengthy edition of the five-ish, the uh, very improperly named at Bucknuts Morning 5. Man, the Pete Werner doubters are not looking very smart right now. Oh, they, Jay Book. Nah, and I have to tell you, um, I we talked several times about the linebackers, and the one thing that I have always said is, I'm going to be in that wait-and-see approach to see what, how they actually perform and what they look like. And Pete Werner looks outstanding. I mean, the guy is coming up, and he is laying the lumber to people. And just seeing him playing with that relentless attitude is really refreshing to see. The talent has always been there with Pete. Um, I thought he got, you know, sold up the road by the fan base considering that Billy Davis uh, had no idea how to utilize those linebackers last year and just bringing in Al Washington and, and getting things cleaned up. You're starting to see everybody across the board when it comes to the linebackers playing fast, playing relentless, but most importantly playing discipline. And right now Pete Werner's playing the best football as a Buckeye. Great insights, as always, from Jonah Booker. Thank you very much, Jay Book. And again, everybody, don't forget about our two months for $1 deal at Bucknuts. Go on over to Bucknuts tomorrow beginning at noon Eastern time, and you will be able to access the deal. Again, it's going to end at 11.59 p.m. on Monday. So it starts tomorrow at noon Eastern, two months for just $1. So, again, it's the best deal we've ever had at Bucknuts. So take advantage of this great offer. Thanks again to Jonah Booker, and thank you to all listeners out there for tuning into the show. I appreciate it. Hope everyone has a great day and a great weekend.
Enjoy the game tomorrow, Bucknutters. Let's hear the Buckeye swag, best damn band in the land. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.